Welcome into the September 13th episode of the Lockdown Lakes Podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morsuti. Uh, the Maple Leafs have signed Zach Aston Reese to a PTO. What does that mean? Will he fit in with this group? Does he fit in the cap structure? We'll answer those questions and more on today's edition of Lockdown Leafs. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's my co-host Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. Locked On Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't already, you can also check us out. Now uh, on video format on YouTube. Just search up Locked On Leafs on YouTube and hit subscribe. What's going on, Dave? Man, it's just uh, it's we're we're we're, we're re- hockey's coming back. I like we're gonna see some of it, but it's like you can taste it. It's like a, you can taste it coming back. Well, you can because for the last couple of weeks we've been sitting here saying like there's been no movement in the free agent market. There's so many decent players, like NHL caliber players, that are still available. For the picking, and, you know, we saw Evan Rodriguez sign as a UFA. Uh, got, got himself a guaranteed deal with Colorado yesterday, $2 million one-year deal. Uh, that was a pretty nice piece of business by the Avalanche. And then we also saw the uh, Maple Leafs get dipped their toes uh, into the PTO market, and they end up signing Zach Aston Reese. And, Dave, this was a player who I believe you and I talked about back uh, when we were talking about free agency and some of the potential players that Toronto could target. And Zach Aston Reese was one of those players. So what was your first initial thought when you saw that Aston Reese uh, was coming to Toronto for training camp on a PTO? Well, the first first one was like nailed it, except <laughs> half nailed it because half it's definitely not. Yeah, half nailed it. I should have said, um, yeah, no, like it, it just seemed like the ideal fit, and and it's funny because the mixed re- there was like mixed reaction of the of that signing when I saw it, and I'm just like, he fits a need in terms of the guy, a type of guy you're going to need for the playoffs. But then somebody's like, well, Leafs are not exactly going to be bringing in a lot of bottom six scoring ability. I'm like, like that's not really a concern. No, usually for the fourth line, like I, I do, like there. I think they're under. Some people underestimate some of the additions that they've made to the bottom six. Like there are some guys that can score, but no, I I do like this. Like it, it's funny because Dylan Ferguson was the first PTO they signed, and we were kind of like head scratching at that one. Right. This one makes even like this one makes definitely makes sense, and I think um, Elliot Friedman said on the 32 thoughts podcast that there's pretty much, uh, almost like a deal outline of what it could look like if the Leafs do decide to move forward with Zach Aston Reese. So did he mention figures or particulars? I didn't get a chance to listen this week, but I'm curious if he had mentioned, you know, what I'm, it look like, cause you know, it, that, that is part of the equation as to it's interesting that he signs a PTO because, you know, he is a player that, as you said, I think would fit with the Maple Leafs. Like, he would be a, a everyday player in this bottom six. I think that he is a more quality player than 
Wayne Simmons is more quality player than Kyle Clifford than um, than uh, Joey Anderson. Like he is one of the if he were to sign a contract, would be one of the team's top twelve forwards that should play every single night. And if you're not familiar with Zach Aston Reese, he's not a household name by any any stretch of the imagination, but. He's a pretty solid defensive forward, and he's not going to give you much offense. He only scored five goals last year, had 15 points altogether. But he's pretty versatile, mainly plays the wing, but can play center in a pinch if you really had to play him there. He's got a little bit of jam. He plays with good speed. And what I like about him, Zach Aston Reese, is the what he can bring to you from a physicality perspective. Because if you look at his numbers over the last two seasons, at five on five, his hits per 60, 13.92, which is 12th in the NHL. So he likes to get gritty, and he likes to go after guys and, and lay the body, which is something that people have been clamoring for in Toronto for a while, especially in the bottom six. Uh, he's a terrific penalty killer. Uh, you look at his top 50 shot blocker in the NHL with nearly two and a half shots blocked per 60 at five on five, a terrific shot blocker on the penalty kill as well. And then when it comes to limiting chances and high danger chances, which was a big problem Toronto had last year with their goaltenders, was allowing those high danger goals. 29th in the NHL um, in high danger chances per 60 given up, despite having 34%, just 34% ozone starts because he mainly started in the defensive end. So giving up the 29th least amount of high danger chances by starting a majority of his uh, zone starts in the defensive end, really good. Um, I took a look at the numbers of the 28 players ahead of him in that mark, only three had uh, less ozone starts than Zach Aston Reese. So when it comes to limiting offense, uh, that is what he does. He has offensive limitations in himself, obviously, uh, but that's not what you want out of your third, fourth line. You want guys um, who can go out there and who can play defensively, and he kind of will be the defensive replacement of what Ilya Mikheyev was able to bring, I believe, for this team if he ends up signing uh, signing a deal. Yeah, I think that's the big part there, right, is, you know, I think the D. I, I so I'm gonna read the part that I had written some notes on the Freeman. I was just looking for it. So he is signed to a deal. There's technically there's not a deal on the table, but because he signed a PTO, but it's believed that the number is in the eight hundred eight hundred and fifty thousand dollar range. Oh, okay, so basically league min, which per, totally yeah. works with the Maple Leafs cap structure. Yeah. So like he, and the other thing Friedman said is that he wanted to stay in the East because I know Edmonton and Vancouver had interest in him. Friedman said he wants to stay in the East. So that gave us the Leafs a little bit of uh, an advantage there. Geography, as we have heard in the past. Um, so yeah. So yeah, I, I, the deal itself is like, you know, if you're trying to make him fit, it's very easy, easy, easy to just move out, you know, even a Kyle Clifford or Wayne Simmons to make that contract work. You know, Clifford is at just over 750,000. He's not at league man, but he's just over that. But yeah, they can, they can make this contract work. I think pretty easily uh, depending on, you know, if they can, if Aston Reese is uh, the right fit. Which again, I think he is like for uh, the reasons that I explained, he fits that need of someone down the lineup who, uh, a can I, I mean think about the players that they lost this year. They lost Ilya Mikheyev and they lost Andre um, Andre Kasha, two players who they actually 
play who who kill penalties. So they need a penalty killer. Yarn Crow can do some of that, and also Zach Aston Reese can come in and do some of that. So they needed to replace two penalty killers. And I think if they end up signing Zach Aston Reese to a contract, which I would imagine they do, I think that he would help this team, and he's somebody who can go and be you know, either. If you deploy a, a in a perfect world, if you want to deploy like a full on shutdown defensive third line, which we've seen in the past, a third line of like Zach Aston Reese, um, David Camp, and Callie Yarncroke is a pretty solid third line, defensive checking line, shutdown line, right? Like if you think about it. So that is somewhere where you look at the fit. I think it works, and that'll kick Engvall probably down to the fourth line where he can bring a little bit of offense to that fourth line potentially um, in limited minutes there. So, you know, I can see a path to some success uh, with Zach Gaston Reese if, if the PTO goes well and Dan, I'm signing him to one. Because I would imagine, like, what's why do you think if, if, the, if there's a framework of eight hundred to $850,000 deal already agreed to, I mean, why not just make that signing? Why are you going through with a PTO instead? Uh, like, the only explanation is maybe they believe that some of the guys internally, it, like, it would block them from maybe getting a spot. It's the only explanation I can think of as to why it's a PTO instead of a contract if the demands are that low. Yeah, I think it's. I think you're right on that. I think it either has something to do with internal competition and just the numbers game. Or Zach Asseris might be looking for a little more, like he'll do the PTO and see if the team will give him more of a guaranteed role, right? Because he's not coming into this with a defined guarantee. Like there's no guarantee, right? I think so. he would be though. Like if, if Zach Asseris made this team, to, to me, there's no doubt that he's, you know, a, 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 an everyday player either on the third or fourth line. No doubt in my mind. Yeah, I, I, that's what we think, but we've also seen the Leafs kind of we, – we think one way, and then Sheldon Keefe goes a totally different yeah. direction as well. You know what's really bizarre, honestly, in a way? Like, we heard uh, Kyle Dubas at his year-end press conference say how much they're looking forward to having uh, guys push from within, right? Some of the guys graduating from the Marlies. But based on the amount of, of depth signings that they've made this offseason, there's really not many – you know, spots for the Marlies to break through and be f factors on this team realistically, is there? Not really, especially, like, I think uh, on the back end, you can, see, you can say because of how many veterans are there, it's tough to see any Marlies making a spot there. It's more so up front that you think, like, you know, depending on if they make a move and trading out an Alexander Kerfoot, that opens up a neat, like, a definite spot on that, that second line. But other than that, like, they, they, they want, they, yeah, they continually say they want to give their young guys opportunity. And you're just like, um, where? Like, you can't play 14 forwards in a game. Like, currently, like, there's 14 guys uh, up there. And, like, where are they all going to play? Right. And the, I guess, I, I, yes, I know that injuries happen and you're going to have to expect somebody to step in. But the Leafs don't also don't have the luxury of having, you know, a big roster that they can have guys sitting in the press box and call and do the normal rotation. Right. There's likely going to be, depending on how, do they do an, uh, no, an extra forward or are they going to do an extra defenseman? That's, that's a question that they're going to have to figure out, especially 
with uh, with Sandine's situation, that's going to, I think, change a lot about that. Yeah, and obviously Sandine still yet to sign, and uh, we are officially, I guess, in, in camp week. Like, camp starts this week. They start to report this week, and he is uh, yet to report. And the Leafs right now, according to Cap Friendly, uh, are $1.4 million over the cap limit, but uh, as you said, they have 22 roster, uh, 22 men allotted to that cap. They can take uh, two of those guys out and end up being under the cap. Um, but then you just don't really have any uh, guys up in the press box uh, or to take on on a road trip with you, which sometimes isn't uh, isn't great, which prompts the question, is there still another move to be done to open up a little bit more cap space? Why don't we take a quick break and maybe talk about the possibility of that one after we tell you about our next partner, who has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1, Athletic Greens, because I wanted I wanted to better myself, Dave. You know, I want more energy in life, and I overall just needed to have some better gut health too. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, uh, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of these things. Uh, I tell you what, it really suits uh, suits anybody's lifestyle whether it depends what you're looking to do uh you can send it to some family you can send it to some friends and they probably would really appreciate it as well it's lifestyle friendly whether you uh eat keto paleo vegan dairy free gluten free it contains less than one gram of sugar there are no gmos no nasty chemicals artificial anything while still tasting good uh, it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Just saying. It's cheaper than getting all these different supplements uh, yourself. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. And if you're curious, well, what about Athletic Greens? Does it have a good reputation? Well, over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes uh, and trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. Uh, Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues himself and ended up on a complicated supplemental routine to recovery. It ended up costing him $100 a day. So he created the Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create an optimal solution uh, for nutrition routine on your own. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements. And to make it easy for you, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do, visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome back into the log. On these podcasts, I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Moore and Sudi. We're your hosts here at Locked On Leafs. And starting next week, Dave, we're back to five episodes a week. We're back to daily 
episode. So if it's your first time joining us here on Lockdown Leafs, or if you just picked up over the course of the summer and you you were you know tuning into our three time a week episodes, we're back to daily content for you. The only Leaf show that brings you daily content each and every day here on YouTube, podcasts, wherever you get your uh, wherever you want to get your content from uh, so make sure you're subscribed hit the little notification bell as well on youtube so that make sure that you get notified when we do drop new content uh, every morning all right uh, so we were talking about you know the leafs as it sits right now 1.4 million over the cap we know they can easily get under the cap uh, by taking two players off their roster and still having enough to to ice a full 20-man roster on a game day so they could do that to get under the cap. But do you want to be that close to the cap? Do you want to be uh, just at that 20 number, or would you rather open up more cap space? I would argue that maybe opening up some cap space would probably be a little beneficial. Uh, how can they do that? There's a couple of different ways. But, Dave, what do you think the Maple Leafs do? Do you believe that for now they, they, they kind of – stay status quo and they try and get through the year by having just a 20 man roster for the time being, or do you think that there's kind of a trade afoot at some point over the next couple of weeks through training camp before we get down to uh, the first day of, of the season where cap compliance comes into play? Yeah. I just don't know if the Leafs want to go shorthanded to start the season, just because injuries are likely to happen right at the start of the year. You know, guys get it back into the routine and, that's usually where little things start to happen. And we know that if a player suffers an injury, unlikely to try to make them play through it at the beginning of the season. It, you know, So I, I I still think a trade is coming at some point. I, it just feels like we're, like we're just waiting for a certain shoe to drop. I don't know which one it is. But it just feels like something is bound to happen. And... Um, but this also doesn't mean Leafs are going to put themselves in a position where they're going to have an abundance of cap space either, right? No. That's just not going to be a possibility. This is just to provide them with relief that if somebody were to get hurt, they're not worried about calling anybody up. So that, what's, that, that move? what's that move, Dave? Say it. Say it. I, just, I still think it's Kerfoot. It's got it, – I, I like. I understand and I, that Alexander Kerfoot does have a purpose on this team. But this is a time where you you brought in Kelly Yarncroft, who is a very versatile player, can play the wing and play at center. Even we heard Frank and our Frankie Corrado say in there in that interview last week, which if you haven't watched yet, you guys should all listen to that. It was a great uh, talk there. In the second part, he talked about how Adam Gaudet could be a guy that steps in and plays center too. So really you're having Kerfoot right now. It's see, I'm not saying it's a luxury because I don't think he's a luxury player, but on this team for what he makes, I just don't see that as something that the Leafs should be holding on to. Especially last year of his deal, likely not going to be coming back. He's likely going to look to get a better, you know, to not don't no, get a long term deal from a team that can actually afford to give him a long term deal going forward. Yeah, I don't know how many teams are going to be lined up to pay him more than the three and a half he's making now, but he definitely has a role on this team. And they, they clearly the organization sees a little more in Alex Kerfoot than a majority of the fan base. Um, I want to bring up this uh, this article that Travis Yost of TSN 
Um, he read, let me just get rid of pause this for a second. Uh, he wrote on TSN.ca. I'm going to bring it up here for you, Dave. I'll share the screen and uh, I'll bring it up for those who are watching on YouTube. You can see here are some stats and some analytics. I'll tell you what these charts mean. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening, I'll explain what they are. But Maybe essentially, zoom in a little bit. Can you zoom in a little bit? Yep, I can do that just a little bit, I believe. Does that work? Yeah, I just want don't want any of the anybody who has the old eyes be squinting trying to see. <laughs> so, uh, so the way that this chart uh, works is essentially he was looking through and he was trying to see, okay, what does this? What's the second line going to look like for the Toronto Maple Leafs? And Kerfoot, Tavares, and Nylander right now on paper looks like it's probably going to end up being the second line for the Maple Leafs. So he went through and he decided to take a look at the numbers, the even strength numbers over the course of the last three seasons from 2019 all the way up to the end of last year. And just to see, okay, what do these three players, uh, how do they perform um, relative to expectation, relative to uh, actual production, also, when you look at uh, their, their Corsi percentage. So if you look at it, the yellow metric is actual goals for. The light blue is expected goals for. And then the uh, darker blue bar is for uh, Corsi percentage, which is shot share. Um, so when it's Kerfoot and Tavares on a line by themselves, they seem to score a lot, but they don't seem to produce a lot. And the expected numbers are, are quite low. When Nylander's wasn't on a line with Kerfoot and Tavares and he was by himself, he actually had some really solid numbers with goals, expectation, and chances all kind of mirroring each other to uh, all very close together, which you hardly see. But when those three are together, Kerfoot, Tavares, and William Nylander, when you look at the production, it hasn't been as strong as expectation. And I know there's a lot of people rolling their eyes when you look at expected numbers, expected stats, but Kerfoot, Tavares, and Nylander have been snake-bitten as a group. They should be a lot more uh, productive than they have been, and the numbers show for it, right? Their chances, their shots, their high-danger shots, it, they just haven't been able to put the puck in the back of the net uh, relative to expectation, and you can see that based on their actual goals compared to their expected goals. And if you look at all three phases of uh, you know, the, the combinations – they tend to do the best when they're all three of them are together on a line expected wise. Like the, the, the process looks the best. The results aren't quite uh, as great as obviously apparently the Kerfoot and Tavares line is, but you think that this eventually should break and they should go closer to even with each other based on ex expectation. So um, yeah, I, I think that, Moving on from Kerfoot, as much as people say is easy to do and they should do, and it would open up cap space, like a lot of cap space, and give them a lot of flexibility, I think it's difficult for the Leafs to do because they look at that and they say, we like the process, and eventually the goals are going to start to come. And I'm not as sold as people are that – they're willing to trade away Alex Kerfoot because not only the, 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 you know, performance that he has at five on five, which by the way, what do you have? 44 points. I think last year at five on five, which is like fourth on the fourth on the team, which is pretty high. Um, but also like they perform pretty well as a trio. Uh, they haven't been able, they've been a little unlucky you would say. 
and they're hoping that luck will change. But not just his production, but the versatility, the fact that you mentioned he can play down the middle, he can play on the wing, he can play, he kills penalties. He's a very good penalty killer, and he can also play on your second power play unit as well. So he's extremely versatile and fills a lot of needs and fills in uh, a lot of roles on this team. I know he's a secondary player, but he's a sneaky important secondary player for Sheldon Keefe in particular. So I'm starting to come around to the fact that uh, Kerfoot might be here to stay. He might be here to stay if a deal hasn't happened already. I think probably Justin Hall is the guy who they may uh, move on from and create, you know, $2 million potentially in uh, cap space by moving on from Hall. If they can get Sandine signed to a cheaper contract. And then the difference of Hall and Sandine would be, I suppose, the, the cap space that they're able to get. And maybe that's enough to be able to have one of these $800,000, $850,000 contracts to have that extra player in the lineup. That's at this point where I'm leaning the Maple Leafs end up going. I, But it's almost like a similar thing with Justin. That was a lot of information that I yeah. threw at people. I'm sorry if I lost you there, but uh, I thought it was a really good article by Travis Yo, so I wanted to give him a shout-out for – uh, that mm. chart because I thought that it kind of detailed and outlined um, the fact that that trio, although it, it it gets talked about not being good enough and Kerfoot gets dogged for being on that line uh, because the production hasn't been there, the chances have been there and they're, they should be scoring more. And eventually you think the pendulum is going to swing the other way and the goals will finally start to go into the back of the net. Yeah, I just think the only thing about that with the Kerfoot is he's the third guy on that line. So the Leafs have to basically figure out if we were to move on from Kerfoot, can we find somebody else to do what he does on that line? Because he, because that that would be essentially that's the only, the guy you're replacing, right? You're not replacing a Tavares or a Nylander on that line. That's where I'm more like leaning towards. You could potentially move, yeah, if you feel you can replace him. That's the but that's the caveat. You can't just trade them and say, "All right, you know, we'll we'll figure it out." No, you're gonna if you're moving somebody right. off that second line, you have to be. So here's the thing, Dave. Right? So this would all three of them, but if it's just Nylander and Tavares and whoever else is with them, but when those two are just on the ice together, their numbers, uh, rel- like their expect expected numbers and their actual production is lower than when those three are on the ice together. So they actually have better uh, production or better process, better results when Kerfoot's on their line compared to anybody else, right? So you look at literally the goals for was in the negatives last year when Tavares and Nylander were together. But even their expected numbers, their expected goals for is less than when Kerfoot's on the line with them. Yeah, no, I, I, no, I, I totally get that. I, I'm just wondering though, it, it's, it's. This is nothing against Kerfoot. I'm just wondering, can you not find somebody who's cheaper to be on that line as a def- even as a more of a defensive, just somebody who can help in those defensive areas. That's hey, maybe like Nicholas Bekubel, perhaps. You know, Nicholas yeah, like, Bekubel. I mean, I've always been a Pierre Engvall guy. Could you toss Engvall? Up on the second line. Somebody's brought up. I I can't remember who it was, but I saw somebody say maybe Engvall can go up. I brought it up. We brought it up on the show. We talked about it like (laughs) early on when we did our initial uh, first mock lineup of the season. Right. 
I think I discussed having Engball up in the top. I can't remember if I actually had the stones to put him there. Mm-hmm. Maybe I will. I think we're going to have to do another one this week. Now that it's it's camp week, like pre-training camp lineup, we'll have to set a roster here. Um, but, yeah, it's we'll see uh, what they end up doing. But I, I believe a move will be made. Um, I just don't know if it's going to be Kerfoot like we're all anticipating. I'm, I'm leaning – the uh, the Justin Hall route, and they end up making it work with with Rasmus Sandin. Uh, all right, we got to take one more quick break. When we get back, uh, we'll talk about the Maple Leafs rookie tournament starting in Traverse City this week as well. I'll tell you uh, about some of the top players that will be at the tournament and also let you know about the schedule so that you can follow along because uh, it all starts on Thursday, so just a couple of days away. Uh, all right, so we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. You'll listen to the Locked On Leafs podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. We're hosts here at Locked On Leafs, the number one Leafs podcast uh, on YouTube, I would say, daily podcast. Uh, make sure that you are subscribed to us. That would be greatly appreciated. And uh, share with your friends. Tell your friends and comment below anything that uh, you want to ask us down below. If you have any comments to what we've had to say so far, are you a fan of uh, the Zach Aston re-signing? Would you like to bring him in? Would you think that uh, Kerfoot should be on the way out to create cap space? Is there another move that you would do? Let us know down in the comment section below. Um, so Dave, the rookie tournament starts in Traverse City just ahead of training camp officially kicking off. I think it officially kicks off what Monday, I think. Like they technically will be there. I'll be on location actually at the uh there's a golf tournament that they're doing on Monday, and I believe I'm gonna be on location with Leaf's lunch, so that'll be pretty cool. Uh, but this weekend ahead of that, uh is the rookie tournament for a lot of the rooks for the Toronto Maple Leafs, a lot of the young guys just to kind of get their feet wet, get back into things. Um, So the teams that they'll be playing in Traverse City this year will be Columbus, St. Louis, Dallas, and uh, Detroit. Now, obviously, Toronto being the fifth team. And it all kicks off uh, Thursday, September 15th. Toronto will be playing the Dallas Stars. That'll be a 6.30 p.m. game. And then the following day on the Friday, Toronto plays St. Louis at 6.30. And then they're off on Saturday. And then Sunday, they play Columbus at 2 p.m. And then they play Detroit at uh, 11 a.m. on Monday, September 19th. So they'll have four games that they'll be able to play that you'll be able to watch. Yep, actually get to watch some Maple Leaf hockey. I know it's you know, not quite Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and Michael Bunting and company, but you'll still be able to watch some of the up and coming prospects. Fraser Minton is going to be there. Um, a lot, you know, there's going to be, I don't believe Matthew Nyes, I don't think is going to be there because he's off no. to college, but uh, European players. Yeah. And, and anyone else other than, I guess, Minton uh, that you're excited to watch, Ty Voigt will be another guy who's going to be. At, uh, at at camp, but who else are you excited to kind of get a, a glimpse at at this rookie tournament? Um, yeah, like uh, Minton is probably top of the list. Um, I, I would assume Moldenauer would be there yep. if he's. That was like, name he's... Honestly, that was a name that I was looking for, and I just could not remember the name of the, the kid's name. I was just looking it up 
as you yeah. said, mold an hour. Thank you. I want to say yeah. half an hour, but I'm like, no, that was like a prospect from years ago. Mold an hour. There it is. Yeah, like that. Those are I would say those are the two guys I'm gonna. I mean, when when we figure out the the actual roster, like the official roster, but those would be the two guys I'd be looking uh looking to see when that eventually happens. Yeah, like the the official roster has not been posted yet because I was looking for it. Yeah, it has not. I was yeah because I I couldn't see the official roster. Obviously, once it does get posted, we'll do a breakdown. Maybe we'll try and get one of our uh, great prospect guys to come on uh, the show and and help break it down with us. But uh, yeah, I think there there's definitely going to be a bunch of of solid uh, former draft picks that I'm sure will end up being there. That everyone's going to be excited to see, uh, you know, whether it's from this year, last year, the past couple of seasons. Um, like it maybe Kale Abramov might end up being there. Maybe you could see a guy, um, you know, like uh, Brandon Lazowski probably will be there. Least seventh round pick from the season. Probably going to see William Villanova, I would think could potentially be there uh, fresh off his Memorial Cup victory. Um, so there's a bunch of guys who uh, could potentially find their way there that you'll be able to see that could be few Maple Leafs. But it all kicks off uh, Thursday, September 15th. So uh, we're excited for that. We'll obviously uh, get some more information to you as that starts to trickle out. All right, Dave. Uh, fun stuff today, buddy. It was good to get back uh, after a, a, a weekend here. Get back to it. Um, I'd like to thank everyone for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked on Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Also, obviously, uh, subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. Leave a like and a comment as well. Hit that little notification bell so you know when we put out new content for you. Uh, follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti. Also, follow the show at Locked on Leafs. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow, folks. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.